everyone, welcome back to the Soji and Nat podcast. This is Soji, and once again, Nat is not here <laughs> because we're going to have a continuation of Souls Without Borders. Uh, in this episode, again, we have our special guest, Hyunjin, uh, but we also have uh, her friend, Michael, to give us some of his insight as we go through questions about family. Okay, so this is part two because part one ended up really abruptly. I don't know if you listened to the episode, but like part one ended like really, really... Why are you sucking on that lemon? Because I love lemon. Okay. Um, yeah, so part one kind of ended off a little bit abruptly, but now we're two weeks later. <laughs> two weeks later. Um, and now we're at a brunch cafe in Hapsong called Urban Plant. Very nice, very nice. And again, we have the ambient background noise and the occasional cackle from. Yep, I don't know if you caught that, but the occasional cackle from other customers. But it's dope here, it's dope here. Um, yeah, how'd you like the food? Oh, it was really good. Um, and it also took me back to Europe because the salad here has a very, like, um, heavy olive oil dressing. It's like olive oil and something else. And the French love putting olive oil in everything. Like I used to have rice and olive oil and sesame seeds. So yeah, it made me nostalgic. Yeah, it's nice here. It's nice. I feel like all the brunch foods here are kind of pricey, but like, I mean, it's a it's a good meal. Um, oh yeah. Uh, what Hyunjin and I were talking about earlier was. While I was editing the last um, episode for like part one of Souls Without Borders, um, Hanjan was explaining about how she was a big picture type of person when she was uh, in a leadership role for like vice presidency in the student council, right? Yeah. Um, and then it made me think about what I was like, whether I was a big picture person or a small details. Um, it's something that I've questioned a lot of the time. Like, I never knew how to answer that question. I Like, if, if it ever came up in, like, personality tests, I would always, like, put, like, the middle answer, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but then, then I realized, I'm like, oh, no, I think I'm the same word. In, like, leadership positions, I'm very much a big picture person. Like, um, I'm very organized, I think. And I see where the group needs to go in order to succeed. Uh, or to be productive um, and I know how to like utilize whatever's like whoever's in the group and like the resources that we have um, if I'm aware of it I mean I hope I don't know this is this is just me be, saying positive things about myself no idea if I'm right um, but then if there is like a natural leader that like kind of pops up you know um, like all the ENFGs out there um, I think when I'm like given a task, I focus a lot on those like minimal details, and I see this a lot in the way that like I did school. I'm very obsessed with the, like the tiniest details, um, and a lot of a lot of my teachers have pointed out my perfectionism, and they said you don't have to do it. It's okay to be like a little bit like you know jank, <laughs> essentially. Um, but yeah, as an individual, like small details. Uh, in a group, big picture. Yeah. Um, for me, I really didn't think I would make a good leader. Because um, first of all, with the vice presidency stuff, I it was it was something that I had no idea about. But my friend, like out of the blue, asked me if I wanted to run with her. Because first of all, it is it is a lot of work. So um, a lot of the senior classmen, like they weren't like up for running. So yeah, she we weren't even <laughs> we weren't even that close. But she suddenly asked me, and I was like, okay, so might as well use this opportunity to get to know my university better. So that's how I started, and I knew like um, my first like instinct was fear because. Um, I'm, I'm a person horrible with details, even when it comes to like my own work. Like, of course, it's a bit better when I have the time to, you know, like make things better and revise it, do whatever I want with my work. But with like a certain deadline and with um, when things are overwhelming, I'm just very bad with details. Yeah. Um, however, like 
as I was doing student council, like I realized that my lack of detail makes up no my um, the way I can like oversee things in a broad sense makes up for the lack of detail that I have um, because there were several times during a meeting where I could see the flow of the meeting and like pinpoint out like like think about ways like different ways to like have like go about the meeting to make it more effective because honestly nobody wants to sit through a two hours long zoom meeting oh, like, yeah. I, I feel like a lot of I feel like I'm bragging but I feel like a lot of um, my contributions have like largely shortened the meetings down and I'm proud of that Ooh, <laughs> snaps to you yeah uh, this is like a slightly different topic, but you know how we were talking about like family before. Oh, I yeah, think that would be an interesting topic okay. to talk about in this podcast. Yeah, I was about to bring that up. Like that, that was the last thing you mentioned. Um, yeah, yeah. Because like, um, like how to what extent are we as university students um, have a responsible responsibility to our family? Because obviously, most of us are still economically dependent mm-hmm. on our parents. Um, Okay, to give an example of my situation is, first of all, I can work right now because my workload for university isn't too heavy, but uh, for some reason, I've just been too busy with people and I haven't been like supporting my family in that sense. And my, and my mom's a single working mom, so there is a lot of guilt associated with that. Yeah. So, but at the same time, you know, there are different opinions on whether you know the skills is valid or you know like you know you're just a student and like you know you're preparing to work for the future you know they're different and of course every circumstance is different but like how is your position on this um well my personal situation is that once i start university this fall uh well first of all i'm not exactly quite sure how the payment is going to go in terms of like whether my dad's going to be paying it or my mom um, but I'm assuming it's gonna be mostly normal. Actually, not sure. No comment on that. But she essentially told me that like, oh, she could pay for the first two years of university because um, it was it's really fucking expensive as an international student to go into the states and study there. Um, and I can't get a scholarship, which is an issue. So um, when I do go there, what I need is to get a job and then. You know, like I'm planning to like graduate a little bit earlier, so like that feels like it's my sense. Like that's that's my duty to relieve the pressure in any way that I can. And like more than anything, I think it's just because because I am in that privileged position where you know, like at least they could pay for like some of my uh, university fees. Um, and they were like relatively supportive of me like this gap year um the the least i could do is to get as many experiences as possible and learn as much as possible oh by the way oh our, our friend uh, michael or michael is here uh do you want to join you want to like you want to grab a stick chair yes we're talking about the responsibilities we have to our family and like different um, and in our different circumstances. Yeah. But yeah, so Mikhail, wait, first like give us a short introduction about yourself. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I didn't uh, no, no this. pressure, no pressure. Alright, my, 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 uh, <laughs> my name is Michael. I come from a far country called Ukraine. I'm uh, studying computer science. I'm doing some photography stuff and doing a lot of other things. And I just enjoy my life in Korea. And this is number one responsibility I have to my parents is enjoy my time in Korea responsibly. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Because uh, even when I drink, I understand that for each soju, they either my family or my university. So I have responsibility. <laughs> I have responsibility in front of both of them right now. Especially, especially my university. So I, I usually text them every week to my, my university Instagram and say thank you guys so much. Here is, uh, I send you a postcard. Uh, there is a, another picture with your with t-shirt with logo of my university. I love you guys. <laughs> this is like, yeah, but when, I, when I'm 
in my university because I study in Czech Republic. I feel very responsible and very thankful to my family for this opportunity because in case in in order to study for free I had to pass language course which cost me not like university in US where you're going to but it was 5000 euros and they paid for it because they believed in me and they make this made this investment in terms to support my future and uh, yeah yeah I I I live is constant understanding of the responsibility and gratefulness for my family and their investment to my future. Like what you said, I feel that sort of responsibility for myself, but also like um, the need to experience and learn as many things as possible. Um, but like when you mentioned investment, that was actually that that word just triggered something in me because that's the way that I kind of like looked at myself for a really long time. Um, I'm the youngest child in my family. I think I think Kenjin knows that. Me too. Uh, yes. Right. Yeah. And then you so also I'm the youngest and the oldest. The only. The only. Right. The one and only. Um, yeah. So I felt like an investment for a really long time. Uh, especially because like a lot of my family members like my immediate family members say that I had it easier or like I grew up like a princess or you know it's just like oh you're being given a lot of things and I'm like well, well shit now there's like a lot of pressure and because I am I am attending like an expensive school I will be attending an expensive school and um, my line of like study takes a while like I would need to get a master's it would mean that I would need to like pay for that shit or you know if I was fortunate enough then my parents would support me all the way um, it terrifies me the idea of failing them and the idea that the investment was not worth it terrifies me I, I totally feel you. Right? What do you mean by investment will not work? So I, I, they, like, they, I, they, 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 the word investment means that they invest in you so you will have a better life for yourself. So it's not like they expect to obtain something for them from this. Maybe like in the future when you're gonna be like rich because of it, you can give something to them, but they invest in your future so you can get something for yourself. No, exactly. Like it, it works two ways. Like. I would fail, like I'm the investment, right? And I would just fucking fail on my own. And I wouldn't be able to make a living out of myself, meaning I would be another, like a bigger burden towards my parents when I'm supposed to be able to fend for myself. For me, yeah, sorry, go ahead. For me, I think what Mikhail just said about, yeah, your parents just want a happy future for you. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. My parents think that as well. But I feel like as an only child, I have more responsibility than just spending for myself. Because when when my parents retire, like they literally don't have anyone but me. And that's I feel like that's a that's something that they don't mention, of course. And they of course we have like they have retirement plans and all that. I mean, my mom does. My whatever my dad doesn't. But yeah, so I just feel and I there's there's several issues concerning this country as well because I want to leave this country even though I like this country. I don't want to spend my whole life here. There's like a responsibility in, and not just economic responsibility, but being around them responsibility. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I realized this when I am here in Korea because one of the big big part of um, responsibility that I am not, I'm not, I'm so basically a big part of some, wait, I can't, my tongue's tied. <laughs> um, I feel I'm a little bit irresponsible right now because my mom makes a lot of sacrifices to keep the house running economically, but also, you know, just like, it might seem little, but like, you know, cleaning the house or like, um, like making sure that I have food to eat and all these things make me feel like such a baby but at the same time so irresponsible because like I know that I can do these things but also 
like it's part of it's like half it's sort of part of the culture that um, like your parents still sort of cook for you here like they still fend for you here but at the same time I'm just like I cannot completely ever be independent if I'm still in my parents house yeah. um, but I don't have the economic um, like uh, abundance to get out of that house yeah. and so the only thing that I think my mom my mom wants from me right now is you know to for me to stay home when stay home from time to time but I feel like I haven't been doing much of that which makes me feel like shit so I feel like there's there's like um, the reason I mentioned this is um, I think responsibility as an only child goes beyond just economic responsibility but also like emotional care for your parents so I, I want you like I want to ask like your opinions on like how like what type of emotional responsibility do you feel towards your parents I can I, I have pretty nice example for this because I moved out when I was 17 and whenever I go back home for the first few hours or days I act like I'm independent I want to wash my dishes but then my mom like no no you've been doing this for a long time just let me do this let me cook your breakfast and I feel so comfortable and I fall in very deep falling very deep into this and I'm I'm becoming so lazy and I just not doing anything and I like this is why I'm not really spending a lot of time with my parents because I'm I started to feel so confident this is for me I always say and I always try to leave my the, I always say the comfort zone is something that uh, limits you from uh, like development and like being a better person if you wanna if you wanna <laughs> if you want to learn new things and if you want to develop yourself, your personality and just become a better person you have to learn, you have to leave your comfort zone constantly and, but it doesn't mean that you have to run from your house it, you can also do this, you can, but it's just, it's just harder but you, you, just, you just gotta speak with your family and you gotta explain yourself yeah. and, and hope that they'll understand my mother would never Probably they, 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 my mother thinks I'm a child and she treats me like I'm 10 years old yes. and I feel like I'm 10 years old when I'm home even when I'm when I was in Ukraine when I went there from Czech Republic and I was with my girlfriend and she went to my house she treated me and her like we were like siblings and she's just another child in the house it's, oh, yikes. it's, it's, it's crazy <laughs> Yeah, and then we had sex, and it's just like my children just having sex in the other room. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was not where I was expecting the conversation to go, but I don't even remember the uh, question. What All right, was the question? I have I have another question for you because I feel like this is very important right now because you're freshman, you're almost freshman, yeah, and you're you gotta study like I don't know how hard is in university, but like I gonna say comparing to mine, if I went there with the only outer motivation, which means I'm motivated by some outer sources like my parents' investment to me, or uh, somebody says this degree is cool, or everyone doing this, like all my friends do it, uh, it will not be enough to finish because my university is hella hard. Like I told you, 25% get a degree out of freshman. Yeah. I just wouldn't succeed with this level of motivation, but do you have inner motivation for your studies to or it's, it's because like you have to distinguish those kind of things. You have to feel like, alright, now I feel all motivation, I'm not gonna do this because it's just for somebody else, it's not for me. Right. Are you doing this for yourself? Okay, wait, I'll answer your question first before Hyunjin's. Um, no, the investment part is not necessarily what I'm gonna be studying. That one is just more like whether or not I will succeed is my main pressure. Um, but what I am studying is something I did choose. I was lucky enough to be able to have the freedom to choose what I wanted to study. Like literally when I was younger, I wanted to be a janitor, straight up. I wanted to be a janitor because I loved cleaning <laughs> to, to like an excessive degree. And then like, no dude, it was- Is there it was, a degree in janitor? <laughs> no, I don't know, like literally, literally I could I, like graduate high school and then I'd go be a janitor. Because it's just like, I, I would like shower five times a day brush my teeth like four times a day and then like I would like wipe down clean windows and I would reorganize my room the bookshelves and like dust down everything like and and then after that I would live in an apartment at the time 
I would go downstairs to like the the public bathroom and I would start mopping the floors. But anyways, uh, in terms of, in terms of what I'm trying to study, please live in our house. Yeah, in terms in terms of uh, what I want to study, so I'm gonna be studying psychology in University of Michigan, Ann Arbor. That one was my choice. Um, yeah, I do I do want to study a lot more, and there was a reason why I chose an American university instead of the UK. Um, like my offer in the UK at yeah at a couple call a couple universities. It's like I wanted to study a lot of things, and um, mainly I wanted to understand people. I think the way that I think the human condition, the way that people function. Um, personalities that and like mood disorders that sort of thing interests me a lot at first I was debating between psychology or like literature or English and I'm just like what am I gonna do with an English degree so I'm just like okay pass we'll, we'll pass from that we can we can take literature classes it can be a minor um, and then with psychology where it's a little bit more broad I'm like I right, okay I might be able to work with this like uh, I do enjoy the subject a lot, and I, I loved it a lot in high school. I can see a future where I'm like, I can quote unquote see a future where I work in this field, maybe, I don't know. Um, so there is that innate, I don't know if it's motivation, but passion. This idea of where, yes, I do like what I want to study. And I, I, I truly do hope college doesn't ruin it for me. And do you see yourself in like 10 years period working as a psychologist or yeah I, well, in I laboratory mean, doing research about I, I, I have I have trouble seeing a future for me I, that, that sounds depressing I don't know um, it's not I see myself as a licensed therapist and in international what is this? license like you know therapy area yeah yeah but then when you're working in certain let's say states or countries you need a license oh, oh license so, in, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah so licensed therapy a therapist um and then working in international clinics or working with i don't know ngos uh or like even like with I don't know, like within businesses, like to help with like the workers and things like that. Like any any form of helping people who are struggling with stress. What about research? Just without talking to people, just doing research. About I psychology. don't particularly like the research. Like. I will do it, but I don't really like it. Yeah, and research requires you to have like data science, PhD degrees. Yeah, that's why I'm just. I don't. I don't think I'd go all the way to PhD. I don't think I need it. But I definitely need a master's and a license. No, 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 no. Research doesn't require a master or PhD. You can do research being freshman. Oh, yeah. Just, no, no, that's you a You just can do, like, different level of research. No, that's that's just a requirement on its own. But then, like, would I want to do it for the rest of my life? No. But, no. You want to talk to actual people and, like, learn from Yeah. Them. I want to actually, like, be, like, one-on-one -on -one or, like, with a group. Why are you still sucking on lemons? It's sour. Hey, don't it's cut so this good. part. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> oh my god. Don't judge my lemon sucking. What about your motivation? Do you feel like you have an inner motivation to study in your university? Or is it just... Uh, I definitely think you do. I have a love for my subject, cultural anthropology. Because as Sojong, in a similar but a different way, I am very interested in people, hence Souls Without Borders. Um, yeah, I really like understanding um, why people are like talking this way, or like why why people have different life patterns, or like how and how that connects to their culture that they brought they, that they grew up in. Because I felt like um, I felt really different growing up in India, and largely because of my different. Um, out, like my, my looks were different, but also the culture that I grew up in was very different from theirs. But then now that I come back to Korea, I feel so different from Korean people because I've, I've just had too many different cultural experiences. So I feel like that is the root of my interest in the subject. Um, and But then what I'm... The, the stuff that I'm getting at, at my university right now, 
in Korea, I'm not satisfied with it. Like, I want to be more intellectually challenged. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm just not getting enough of that. So that's the disappointment. But I do like it, the subject. I do like the subject, but not what yeah, my university is offering me at the moment. Would you consider like transferring or anything? Oh, I, I looked into it, but it's too hard to transfer from a Korean university to a university abroad. And I feel um, any other Korean university would be similar. Yeah. 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 No, that sucks. I'm sure if you like, take more difficult, like as time passes, like there should be more difficult yeah. courses. But the thing is, um, it's not really, the courses, some of the courses are designed really well, but then when there isn't a proper debate, because the, first of all, the cultural references are very different, but also to tell you guys a sad truth is that a lot of Korean kids grew up, who grew up in the Korean education system um, have not read many books because of the... Wait, sorry, I'm so... My brain's very distracted right now. That's all good. This is a yeah. loud place. Yeah. Korean people haven't read a lot of what? A lot of, a lot of books. At least when they come to university. Because for Sunung, is, it's like a really difficult exam. And you, you, can, you don't have the time to fucking read a book. Oh. You have to read summaries of the book to fucking get, get a good grade in the exam and go to a good university. So the education system is designed against um, critical thinking and yeah. like, I don't know, like new ideas, like thinking for yourself basically. Of course, like, Koreans are like, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm stereotyping a lot, but yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of the Korean students that I see here are really bright students. They, their mind works really fast, much better than me at math or science or like with like memorization stuff. But then when it comes to like debates and like having actual discussions, like, discussions and new opinions on things, I just don't, I'm not satisfied with the debates we're having here. Uh, I also have okay. I, I'm gonna like st still again push that question about emotional uh, what was emotional responsibility. Yeah, like, I'll push that after I talk about this. But I feel like in Korea, exactly like with what you said. Exactly. Are you good there, bro? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It's not laughs> this this one one hundred this one hundred ninety three centimeter man centimeter. cannot sit. Um, <laughs> she bite my leg. <laughs> uh, she bite. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, and like from what I've seen in Korea, it's very, it's very much focused on number one categorization, and number two perfection. Uh, there's, it's like it's like Korea seems like a factor, and I can understand why it seems that way because, you know, after the Korean War, they developed at a ridiculously fast pace to, you know, the to what it is today, um, and so it's un. It's understandable why they would expect perfection to an unhealthy degree. Um, and then it just becomes a factory process of, it's a production of the best and fastest workers, the most efficient workers. And it doesn't take into account the human factor, you know what I mean? But that's the thing, we're all humans. So it's difficult for us to like fit into this mold that I suppose the system wants us to be. And it's like it's like in terms of like let's say um, high school, like high, sorry, no university education. It'd be like everybody has been bred in the same way because they all take this exact same exam, and which takes up like all of your high school life. Exactly, it takes up all of your high school life, and you do that's that's your main focus. And then, then then who who are you exactly beyond that? Who are you beyond the system? Who are you beyond? what people other people have forced you yourself into which is why again i'm not i'm so thankful that i did not grow up here like i've, I've questioned myself a lot where i'm just like would do like was it a mistake for me to like grow up in indonesia i mean i didn't choose but like i always question like what would it be like if i grew up in korea you but, wouldn't have pink hair right now uh, yes, exactly. I would number one. I would not have pink hair right hot now. Pink hair. Hot pink hair. I would not uh, have tattoos on my body. Um, and you and, would not be doing this podcast. Right? Yeah, yeah. Probably, probably not. Uh, probably, I probably be doing like 
a podcast in Korean? I don't know. Actually, you, you, you would go for uh, some TikTok with bubbles in uh, Seoul forest. What the? But yeah, no, I'm I'm grateful for the experiences that I have and that that I can see things in this way. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, it's it's a, it, the, what I'm saying is a very big generalization of a huge idea and a concept of a country. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah, our background is so cool. Like our backgrounds in India. I'm from freaking Ukraine, yeah. and you're from Indonesia. Neither of those countries are uh, first world country. But now we are in the first world country, and you're going even more first world countries. From the, uh, Hell yeah, we love the states. So and because of this experience, we have. Oh, wait, hang on. You're from the Czech Republic, and then. I'm from Ukraine. You're from Ukraine. And I moved to Czech Republic. Ah, oh, okay. Czech Republic is kind of transition with it uh, from transi- second to first world. Oh, but it's, okay. it's not actually first world. <laughs> okay, okay. So Korea for me is like the first first world country that I've been to. Okay. And well, we, yeah. because of this background, we can understand how life like, because people who grow up in Seoul there feel so comfortable because life here is so comfortable you can buy chicken at 4 a.m. just because you want it you can go down the stairs and you can get anything in the CEO and anytime it's, it's crazy comfortable in Ukraine if I wanted to eat at 3 a.m. I can either go outside and like kill the dog or just <laughs> no, or just starve to death you cannot <laughs> you cannot eat out whether you're hungry at 3 a.m. I feel like I feel like rather than comfortable, it's more like it's convenient. It's very convenient. Seoul specifically is very convenient, but I wouldn't say it's comfortable. Again, like because of the way that the society functions and because of the way that people expect you to be, I wouldn't say that it's comfortable. Convenient, alright. And I, I I was in Jeju and I was traveling and I stayed in in one hostel and we were drinking with my friend and two Korean girls and they were 26, but. I felt like they young, like they 16 years old, but the way they act and the way they like they saw the world, they're like picture of the world. And they, I, I wouldn't say, and the way they looked as well, as they like high school. Asians on raisins, my dear. But it's not only about their appearance; it's always, it's also about how they interacted with each other and with us. And Can you explain, expand more on that? How did they interact with you? Uh, how did they view the world, or how did, how did it seem like? I, I, I cannot ex- describe it like precisely, but I would just see like, like kids, you know, just uh, like I did when I was 16 years old. Yeah. And compare it to myself, because like, yeah, I, I grew up in a very, maybe because of Eastern Europe is a very tough place, so we have to grow up earlier, or maybe because I moved out when I was 17. I don't know, but like, I feel, I feel like I was very mature when I was 17, now I'm less mature, mature. <laughs> because like, I, I really, like, in Korea, after last semester, I really went, like, on, here I'm on vacation, so I can afford myself to be less mature and just have fun, because I was so tired and I got burned out last semester, but I had to be really mature in order to succeed in Czech Republic and in order to grow up in Ukraine. Uh, this reminds me of how Mikhail and I were talking about how Korean people sometimes can come off as insincere. Yes. Korean people? Korean people. And you say this because they have a very competition, a competitive society. Yeah, yeah, I feel like, especially people who grew up in Seoul, I find, first of all, they cannot show their true feelings. You ha- there's like this nice facade that they have to put on all the time but at the same time they are put into this extreme competition like even from their womb they are taught to like thought like they think of the world as a competition yeah they think of others not as friends but like competitor competition competitors 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 Uh, opponents (laughs) opponents yeah opponents because for university, like even the grading system here, like Mikhail was telling me, like there was a class he took and he got like the whole class got A's, but that can't happen here. Like um, nowadays, because of Corona, there is less of the relative grading system, but usually everything is relative. Like only the top twenty percent or like ten percent will get A's, oh, yeah, and then the rest would. That is terrifying. Yeah. I have something to say about it. Uh, I don't know how grading system in Ukrainian universities work because I never studied there. But I remember how my brother went to university 
and one guy told him, you, you can skip physical education, they were not graded. And then he got F and he almost got kicked out because of physical education. And my mother was always telling me, don't trust anybody in Czech Republic, don't trust your friend because they are, they are your opponents. And I never understood this. This is, this is why they, they were like, they pushed me out of Ukraine. They told me, you're going to study in Europe. I, we don't want you here because it's not your mentality, it's not your society, you're European. Because they understood that I'm not a competitive person and I have different kind of thinking. But and now I'm realizing that Ukrainian society is pretty close to Korea in, in many aspects. And in this one as well. They're very even even so they have different grading system, but they want everyone else to fail so they look better. Yeah. It's also about this. Yeah, and also not just about grading, but then the way people make friends here. Like I see so much on social media, like I mean of course I do it too, but it's so much more focused on the number of people you're meeting than the the depth of people you're like how close you are with a person like mm. people want to show off that they ate this with these, these these people and like i don't know i just see so much of that like it's so much more number focused than like hum humanity focused they want to seem like a social butterfly yeah they want to seem really popular and that's that's a that's a huge thing here I want to be a little bit sincere right now. After last semester and last year, when I had, when I lost mostly all friends and I was just home for because in Czech Republic, it went like the worst in the world corona situation last semester. And I went here and I was trying to meet as much people as possible. But more I hear, more I realize that deeper connections are more important. And I, I'm just trying to rethink right now. But. But because of a lot of things happened last year, uh, I also had this problem. So I understand what you're talking about, and I don't think it's very good. But in the same, like, but if you look at it in the other direction, more connections you have uh, regarding professional life, more connections you have, more chances. Like uh, in Ukraine, more connections you have, more chances you have in life because like this person knows this person, this person knows this person. But it's not about showing off, it's just about having those friends, it's just having connection. But like, yeah, the I never try to show, but like, I have, like, I know if these people, then I have dinner with these people. I just like, I have this, yeah. But I don't, I'm not trying to show it off to everyone. But I think it's important to meet a lot of people. Yeah. But I, now I also think that like, I want to focus more on deeper connections. Yeah. When I think about it, like, First of all, with what Hyunjin said, I do notice it too. Um, it's I I uh, I guess this would be an assumption, but I think a lot of people here have rather superficial friendships. I'm sure some of them do have, you know, friendships with a lot of depth. Um, but I just I think I think with just the way that people grew up. I don't know. That's just what I don't know. Yeah, yeah, Maybe because it's people know big... sincere. They bring this unsincerity into like, relationships, exactly, into friendship, that, and they. That's why I'm like, they but, don't but, open but, up. <laughs> but I don't yeah. want to assume too much. But that's just like what I think. Um, but in terms of like how I view friendships. Um, I definitely, maybe it's because of my personality type, um, I'm an INFJ, or on the Enneagram, I'm a type 6 or one wing 2. <laughs> the point is I'm very, very unstable and like, but I'm also very like aware of everything. Anyways, whatever, so I'm like, whatever. Um, I value a lot of, I value depth over like a giant group of people, you know? Like quality over quantity for sure, um, which is why, which is why, like when I make close friends, I keep, I hold on to them for a very long time, and even I, I, I do like a pretty decent job at like keeping in contact with them, honestly. Um, and because of this, I've been like in Seoul for like a year. Why are they clapping? Dude? I don't know if y'all heard. Did you hear Everywhere, that they all give you the Vulcan like. <laughs> like, like, the why are you yeah, I wasn't doing this right now. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> what was I saying? Um, yeah, being in Korea for a year, while 
my best friends were either in Jakarta or uh, in Boston and Seattle. Uh, it was really difficult to kind of maintain some sort of connection. On distance. Yeah, be yeah, because it, like it was a long distance friendship, and there were so many people to like, keep up with. But then it's just like if you make that like time and sacrifice, which I know I wouldn't be able to do like as much once I get to university. Um, it just made me aware of how dearly I hold my friends, but at the same time, uh, and this is something my mom said actually, and I, I think it was really important to hear for me at the time. She's basically saying how, oh, I'm really glad that you moved schools because you, you learn how to number one like make very close friends but also like varying levels of closeness with other people, even with acquaintances. Like you need you need all of those people in your life. You know, you hold on to like you hold on to your close friends. Um, like which is usually like what, two, three? One, two, three. Um, and then everybody else is just like a lesson of some sort. They're connections uh, and acquaintances. And I, I agreed with that. I think that's like an amazing lesson to learn and I think it's great to keep that in mind that as much as close friends are important there are other people too that you could learn from but yeah that's my thought on that um, oh should I should I talk about the emotional responsibility now uh, I kind of want to add one thing before we get into that topic sure, sure. Uh, yeah I just wanted to clarify because there obviously are so many different people in Seoul. Seoul is a Seoul is an overpacked city. Oh yeah. Uh, and I've definitely met people who are much more willing to open up and be vulnerable. And like I've had a really wonderful time this week with a group of friends that um, were that were who were surprisingly much more open with me than I had expected but then with most with most cases I just feel like maybe it's because I'm a new person in this country and they already have their own set of like close friends but I feel like that's that's not all of it I just there is a unwillingness to open up and to show their weaknesses you know because like abroad weaknesses and showing like vulnerability is not always a disadvantage it's it's something that is viewed as like at least within close friends um something that will get your relationship deeper but i feel like there isn't much of an awareness to that here i see vulnerability as strength honestly yeah me too but here i feel like um the the way they try to make friends is by impressing oh and yeah that's like a huge um, you're a model to be showcased. Exactly. Like even that's why this is a little bit off topic, but nowadays I don't have a lot of motivation to do like work hard for something because I'm always fighting with myself, thinking, am I doing this for other people or am I doing this for myself? Because everywhere I see, they, they have people have so much talent in Korea, but they like at the bottom of it, they're doing it for other people. They they want to impress. They have all their motivation. Yes, that's that's what I, I get really like really put down by. So I don't know, like like that's negatively impacting me as well because I'm always questioning myself if I'm doing this for myself or if I'm doing this for others. Like like a really small example, but like Norebang, <laughs> you go to Norebang with Korean people, they sing so fucking well. Each oh every single one of them, I'm telling you, Koreans are literally the like they have the best singers in the most like they have the most singers in any other country or any other place yeah, yeah. but my, my, my Korean friends are I don't think they're Koreans after what you said <laughs> yeah or maybe it's my they are more sincere no 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 it's actually true when I go to these actual Koreans they sing very well or when, when they cannot sing they just don't sing this kind of lyrics yeah. or songs but I, I found these people who like like me. If they don't know songs, they're just gonna try. They're just gonna give it a try. That's cool. Yeah. This is important to have these kind of people around you. Yeah. But it's very hard to find here. Yeah. It's very rare. Yeah, I think I found a, a few as well. <laughs> Wait, I was gonna say something else, but I got I'm sorry. it off. No, <laughs> not by you, by my Norebang stuff. Norebang. Uh, we should go to Norebang. 
Yeah. After this. Yeah. I feel like a, a bit of a, um, like, what is it called? Hypocrite? Why? Because I, I feel like you'll be like, oh, you're just another Korean when I go to the Norebang. Well, here. No, well, me. Because oh. I sing well. <laughs> okay. Okay, choir bitch. Okay. Let's go for Eminem. Let's um let's go partying. I love singing like shouting and singing like pouring everything Perfect. out at the karaoke. Oh yeah, I just like put it out from the heart and it comes I, out I a screech or talk after no, I feel like my I, my voice is very very deep after it. Yeah. <laughs> I go for like Linkin Park, you know, and I just scream like <laughs> Yeah. Right. Right, so emotional responsibility. <laughs> what I was supposed to answer like 20 minutes ago. Um, uh, wait, actually, what was your question again? <laughs> Just go for emotional responsibility. Okay, so, do you feel any emotional responsibility for your family? Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Huh. How do I say this without exposing too much because I, I I do know that this is a public platform that is apparently a, on Apple, Apple Podcast. I did not know but this is on Apple Podcast too. I think because I was the youngest child oh, my family kept a lot of things from me think, like thinking that it was going to protect me. Um, they didn't want to tell me about a lot of the family issues and pushed everything under the rug if there were things that happened around me. And then as I got older and I like, you know, like things started opening and then like trauma started revealing itself to me as I got older. Um, I think, you know, at first I had that realization and I got very angry and that's because I was young. And then as I got a little bit older, I understood I, I looked at my family and especially my parents as in a different way because um, I feel like a lot of like for example like you can be a terrible parent but you're a good person and I think that's what it was like that's how I had felt about my family for a really long time um, and so now the way that I look at it for my emotional responsibility is to grow up honestly um, my time as a child has passed. I don't think I can ask for any more, to be honest. I wish I could, but the world has been forcing me to grow up. And I've gone through things that have made me more mature and made me learn things I probably shouldn't have learned like by this point. So me learning to grow up and looking at my family as an adult is, I think, the biggest emotional responsibility that I have towards them. Yeah. I have a question about your family. You say that you, they, they were hiding everything for you in order to protect you. Yeah. Do they still do this? Yeah. It pisses me off. I know some stuff from my sister because, you know. Sometimes, one day, three weeks, four weeks ago, I called my family to ask my mother about something. And I felt something wrong with her voice. And I started to ask, what's up? What's up? And in the end of the day, she said, grandmother is in hospital, she has coronavirus. Then I called her a few days, a few days later. And she, uh, I was like, I called her. She never called me. And I started the same thing. She sounded sad again. And apparently my grandmother was dead. But they didn't tell me this. So they still hiding everything. Even this kind of stuff. Like, imagine if they would tell me a few months later. How would they, how were they thinking they would tell me this? Like, they trying to protect me. So like I told you before, that my family treats me like, my mother treats me like a child, like a baby. Yeah. And my, my brother also, because and when my mother told me about my grandma, she was pissed at my mother that she, that she told me. This, I don't really get this. It's not even about Ukrainian mentality. It's just about my family. Yeah. I, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, I'm sorry for that. 
That must have been difficult to go through. I, I think I think it's interesting the way that people interact with their families. The family dynamics are so different. Um, and I don't even know I don't even know how to like define what my family family dynamic is like. I think the closest like family relationship I have would be like with me and my mother. And I I guess me and my sister, I guess. I mean I have tattoos for both of them. One I have a sister tattoo and then I have a tattoo dedicated to my mother. So I think I guess that says something. Um yeah, but I've yeah going back to the whole emotional thing. I've I've grown to accept whatever situation it is, um, and instead of kind of like reacting in the way that I did when I was like fifteen, uh, with a lot of anger because I was confused and I felt hurt and betrayed. Now I look at it in the sense where okay this person not my father or not my brother not my sister um this person is stressed and what can i do to help them because this is somebody that i care about or this is somebody related to me how can i help them or uh, how can i be there for them in any way that i can that's kind of the way that i look at it but yeah if that answered your question do you have any other questions? No. No? I think not for part two. Not for part two? <laughs> oh, there's a part three? <laughs> oh, okay, there's a part three, I guess. And that's the end of part two. Um, I'm, I guess there's a part three. I, I'm also still confused. We're still waiting on it. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, I think part three will be the end of the Souls Without Borders series. And then we're going to head back to our regular, normal podcast episodes. I miss you, Nat. See you soon.